Hi, I'm Danielle Bassan and welcome back to another episode of Tiny Tots of Fire and the Odds. Each episode touches upon the miraculous journeys of each guest, from medical emergencies and personal crises to parenthood and entrepreneurship. These are the stories and testimonies of great might and metal, and I can't wait to share them with you. Today, I'm truly honoured to be joined by my next guest, Alison Dunn. Alison is a mum to identical twins born at 28 weeks, and she is a dynamic speaker. Alison is a founder of Me Too Books, which provides support and encouragement for families. Me Too Books are all written and illustrated by Ellie, and features preemies, Nikki Babies, kids with disabilities and those not represented by the traditional publishing industry. In this episode, I talked to Alison about her fertility journey, the challenges of the neonatal care and the inspiration and impact Me Too Books has had through a wide range thus far. Alison's story is truly inspirational. So here's Alison on a Tiny Tots Defining the Odds podcast. Hello. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Ali. Thank you for your time for joining me today. You are doing some amazing things. You have launched Me Too Books, which supports the NICU journey and wins as well. Parents of twins with a NICU journey and your mom and mompreneur. You do it all. And I'd love you to talk about your journey of getting to having twins and from beyond that to launching Me Too books and how you balance many hats. I know that parents and the audience will be inspired today by your story. So please tell us a little bit about you first of all. As Danielle said, my name is Ali Dunn and I am the founder of Me Too Books. And the goal of that organization is to encourage and support and inform NICU parents, families, parents and families of twins. And this organization was created as a result of my own NICU experience. I'm also the author and illustrator of four children's books. And prior to that, I worked in higher education for about a decade, specifically in career services. Most importantly, though, I am a mom to identical twins that were born at 28 weeks. Wow, amazing. Talk us through your journey of having twins and what was that like for you and how was your experience? So my experience that ended in the NICU journey really started with a struggle with infertility. So it took me about three and a half, four years in order to get pregnant. And I really tried everything in that journey. Everything from just relaxing and doing nothing all the way up to multiple rounds of IVF. And so finally, after two rounds of IVF, I found out I was pregnant, which was a very joyous occasion. But soon after that, I found out that I was pregnant with twins, (laughs) which was a little bit scary. Now we go from having what could be like a normal pregnancy to a very high-risk pregnancy because they were identical twins. Now, luckily, that pregnancy was fairly normal until about 27 weeks. And at that point, there were some signs of preterm labor. And I was admitted into the hospital for indefinite bed rest. After about eight days of bed rest, I had finally convinced the doctors that I could continue the strict bed rest at home. And all that stood between me and discharge was one final fetal monitoring. And up until this point, the babies had been perfectly fine. At the last fetal monitoring, signs of distress were noticed. And it was decided that 
I was not going home that day as planned. I was going to be giving birth. An emergency C-section was scheduled, and we literally had minutes to prepare. I knew very little about the NICU. Now, when you have a multiple pregnancy, the NICU is something that you know is a possibility, but I was totally unprepared. I hadn't had time to schedule a tour of the NICU. I didn't know anyone who'd had a NICU baby. All I knew about the NICU was really what the neonatologist came into my room at the hospital and told me about 30 minutes before my twins were even born. So I was very unprepared. It's a very scary idea that when you struggle with infertility, you think you may never have a baby in the first place, and then finally you're pregnant, and now these babies are coming early, and will they even survive? So the whole experience was very scary. They were born at 28 weeks. They weighed less than five pounds combined. They were taken straight to the NICU. And from there, we had a pretty typical preemie NICU experience. Certainly at the time, I was unaware of what to expect. But now that I have more education and have more experience in the NICU community, I know that NICU journey was pretty typical for a preemie. We dealt with all of the preemie things, apnea and jaundice and infections and two PDAs. And, but eventually, at 55 days, one baby was discharged, and 10 days later, the other came home. And those 10 days where I had one baby at home and one baby at the hospital were some of the most difficult. The fact that I had spent every day for almost two months dreaming of the moment that they were going to come home. And the fact that it never really occurred to me that, hey, they may not come home at the same time. And not a doctor, not a nurse, no one had mentioned that to me. I was very unprepared for that. And it was very difficult. I felt very guilty. Having one baby at home and one baby at the hospital, I couldn't spend the amount of time with both of them like I wanted to. So that was a very difficult time. So I would certainly encourage you, if you're currently listening to this and you're in the NICU and you have twins or triplets, to think about they each have their own journey, they may not come home together, and to make sure that you have a plan in place because you are going to need some support and some help during that time for sure. I love that. I'm just taken aback by hearing your journey. And it truly is inspiring. Let's first of all rewind to you going through IVF treatments and it not working out. I'm sure there's many parents and people listening right now who's going through a tough IVF journey and thinking, what if I don't have a baby, worried and anxious and just thinking there would be something wrong with me, especially women of having that feeling of wanting to carry a child and it's not working out. What would you say to them right now? who may be feeling discouraged if treatments are failing constantly and thinking, there's something wrong with me, I can't carry a child, especially if their partner wants a child. And, you know, that feeling of worry and anxiousness and having that burden of wanting to please your partner because it may be their dream to have a child and you can't naturally carry it. What would you say to them? I would say the infertility struggle was probably more difficult than the NICU for me in my personal journey. I was young. I had no pre-existing conditions. I had no reason to think that I was going to have problems getting pregnant. 
And even now that I have two children, um, I still have a diagnosis of undi- unconfirmed infertility. We don't know the reason why I had such a struggle. So all of those unknowns are very difficult, especially if you're a person like me. I'm a type A control liking person. So it was very difficult for that to be completely out of my control. And no matter what I did, I, I couldn't change that fact. Um, so it, that is a really difficult place to be in. And so what something that I always said to myself to help me get through it, this is my, my little infertility motto was, it'll all be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. So anytime I would have a call from the nurse that said, you're not responding to the meds like we hoped, or when you get word that the embryos aren't in the condition that we want, or there's so many steps along the way where you can get some just devastating news. Anytime I heard anything like that was what I would say to myself, it's going to be okay in the end. Not okay yet. So it's not the end. This journey is not over. And I'll know it's over when I'm in a place where I'm at peace with whatever the outcome is. So that helped me get through it. I love that. Be at peace with whatever the outcome is. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. If it's meant to be, it will be. Yeah. And that's certainly easier said than done. <laughs> I, I had lots of days of stress, but that little mantra over and over helped me at times for sure. And that's actually a good way to encourage yourself through that dark moment. Don't feel like all hope is lost because it doesn't work out. If it's meant to be, it'll be. You just got to keep encouraging yourself. And even when the professors and doctors may say it's not going to work, you've got to encourage yourself saying it will work. There's, I think there's power in our words, right? You just sort of right. speaking it over yourself and over your situation. And look, it happened finally. So there we go. Right. Well, and not the way that I had envisioned necessarily, not the way I maybe would have chosen. And I think that's part of it too. You have to open up your mind to this may not look the way that I have always dreamed it was going to be. So be open to whatever the outcome is. It may be different than what you expected, but that doesn't mean that different isn't bad. It can still be a wonderful outcome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love that. Sound words indeed. So fast forward now to you leaving one of your twins in hospital from the moment one of your twins were discharged. Do you want days? And what was it like for you in that moment? Because I'm sure you had guilt, free anxiety. Because as moms, we have that nurture gift. What if something goes wrong with my baby? What if they're not taken care of? What if the worst could happen? What was that moment like for you? And what would you say to parents who are going through this tough experience right now because it's not easy, especially moms having that worry and that fear inside of them. Yes, it was all of those things. I did. I felt guilty. I had a lot of anxiety. And it took me back to that place where I had been two months earlier where I was being discharged after giving birth and I was going home without my babies. It's that feeling all over again. You're leaving one behind. And even though it doesn't make any logical sense, I'd always felt like they were there together. So the NICU that we were in was more of a traditional type of NICU where it's all kind of one open bay, all one big room. So we didn't have a private room. And so I didn't stay overnight with them. I would come in the morning and leave in the evening. And whenever I left in the evening, I always felt very guilty having to go and sad to leave them. But I always felt like they have each other. 
even though they probably had no realization that the other one was there. But it made me feel better. And so then when I had one baby at home with me, I always felt the other babies all by themselves. And that was really disheartening too, even though probably to them it didn't matter, but to me it mattered and it definitely affected me greatly. So in that time, I think you really have to ask for help. You have to find some support, whether that's through your partner or a family member or even someone at the hospital, some of the healthcare staff that can give you more information if you need it and more support if you need it. But that's one of those times where you literally cannot be in two places at one time. You have to have help. And I know it can be hard to ask for help, but in those cases, you really have to. Definitely. I think sometimes parents with a NICU can feel like they're super mom or super dad and they can get through it all. You want to do it all alone, but it's okay to not be okay. How important is it for them to ask for help and feel like they're not alone and have to get through it alone and have to be the super mom and super dad figuring it all out? How important is that? It's super important. And I have seen in the last few years, as I've been more and more involved in the NICU community, so many great programs through hospitals where they have parent support groups, where they have parent mentors, so veteran NICU parents that kind of help guide current NICU parents. All of those things are so important. And it's really something that I've missed out on at the hospital where we were. We didn't have any of that emotional support, any of that family support. And really, when a baby is in the NICU, the baby is not the only patient. The family is the patient too. And if you're not getting that support, if, like me, you were handed a folder with some pamphlets and look, hey, here you go, you're not getting that support. And I didn't know what I was missing out on. But it is so important to talk to people who've been there before, who've gone through that experience. If you can't get support in person at your hospital, look to online support groups. And there's many, especially in the United States, there's many national nonprofit organizations that really reach out and help provide some support. Just to know that you're not alone, that there are other people who've been through the same situation can be very important. You don't have to be a super parent. You don't have to be a super mom, a super dad. Having that support is very important. You need to process the trauma that you've been through. Just like your baby needs time in the NICU to get stronger, so do you. You need that too because Anytime that you have a baby admitted to the NICU, there is trauma involved. And that's something that you need to heal from. Definitely. I love that. Again, sound advice. There's many support groups you can go to and experts you can talk to. If you're feeling like, especially mentally, you're not with it and you're going through distress, talk to somebody about it. Don't keep it in. It's very important to let it out and feel like you're not alone because there's somebody going through exactly the same thing as you. And as my nan said, iron sharpens iron and you grow and you use your experience to help others in their dark moments. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to some brighter days and brighter moments. What were some of your triumph moments your twins went through their NICU journey? What were some of the defining moments that made you feel like, wow, my twins have come so far or my twins are going to make it? Certainly it can feel hopeless in the NICU. But I think if we retrain our brain, reconsider what we would think about as an accomplishment or about a moment of hope or triumph, 
you really learn to, in the NICU, celebrate every small thing. I always say that in the NICU, joy is measured in ounces when we are looking at the tiniest of things. So once I was able to do that, and I experienced all the wonderful milestones that most NICU parents can relate to, like changing that first diaper, the first time that your baby's wearing clothes. Those are things that maybe your typical parent takes for granted. But for NICU parents, that is a big day. And that's worthy of a picture, right? They're wearing clothes for the very first time. So I certainly appreciated all of those milestones. But one of the things that really sticks out to me as one of those defining moments in the NICU was the first time I was able to hold both of my babies at the same time. So as NICU parents know, holding just one baby is quite a feat, right? It takes the whole team of nurses and everyone has to get all the wires and get everybody situated. So to do that times two was a really big deal. But I remember that day and they put both babies on my chest for kangaroo care and they reached out their little twig, tiny little skinny arms and put them around each other. And we all snuggled in there together. And that is a moment that I will always remember as a defining moment of hope and joy in the NICU. Beautiful. It's like we're saying, Mom, we're holding on to you so tight, we're letting go. We've got this, Mom. You can count on us. Yeah, yeah, we're all in this together. We're not going anywhere just yet. Amazing. And then that's a beautiful moment, just letting that moment just encourage you and make you feel like as a mom, I'm not alone. My twins have hope. I know they're going to be okay. What was it like when your twins finally came home together and how are your twins now to date? I'll say that the first, those first months right after the NICU, you really think that, or at least I did, that the NICU is the end. You just want to get to the point where everyone's out of the hospital and then that's the end of it. But really, it's the beginning, right? It's the beginning of everything else. And for a lot of NICU parents, that means the beginning of appointments with specialists and the beginning of a lot of intervention and a lot of follow-up to help your baby catch up and get to where they need to be. And with twins, they were released during kind of the height of RSV season. And as I had mentioned earlier, they were in a traditional NICU, so I had never even spent the night with them. So that first night with two twins. It was chaos. So it took a little bit of time for us to adjust what it was like to have go from zero babies to two babies and two babies who needed a lot of care, two babies who were medically fragile. And at the advice of my doctors and the pediatricians, you know, they made it pretty clear that putting these two babies into any kind of child care setting where they were going to be around lots of other kids was not the best thing for them at the moment. So we had to figure out what childcare was going to look like. For us, that meant that I was stepping away from my current position and spending some more time just at home taking care of them. So there was a big adjustment professionally as well in that case. But I'm happy to say that now they are happy and they're thriving and they're little bundles of joy. So the outcome for them, although it's taken us some work to get to where we are, the outcome from them has been very positive. Amazing. See, from 
it's a difficult situation to now see in joy literally in front of your eyes on a daily basis a gift yeah it's very i feel very lucky i i feel i say it all the time but i get to to witness daily miracles i get to see these little miracles grow and it definitely is something i'm very grateful for it's definitely a privilege yeah, i bet it is well i love to hear that so you've launched me two books congratulations on that and it's thank you you're very welcome i love what you're doing for that venture it's amazing you're raising awareness and you're you're using your personal experience to encourage others and you're doing that by writing books and getting your story out there and supporting the NICU journey through that method what inspired you to launch me two books it really all started with the need for a children's book about the NICU so as my kids got a little older and they wanted to hear the story about how they were born and they wanted to look at the pictures from their baby book when they're in the NICU, we would have all these great discussions. And I thought, wow, it'd be really great to have a children's book about the NICU that we could use to supplement all these great dis- discussions that we were having. So I did what any person does. I went to Amazon. I searched for a children's book about the NICU. And I was so disappointed at the results. There was hardly any books about this topic. So I had something very specific in my mind that I wanted. I wanted something that kind of reframed the NICU experience into an adventure, was appropriate for younger toddlers. So I didn't see what I wanted. So I decided just to write. So I wrote it. I illustrated it. I printed out two copies. That was the book. I was a preemie just like you. I gave it to my children. We read it. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. However, as my kids enjoyed it so much, I started to hear from other people, like friends who said, oh, my my neighbor had a preemie. I know you have a preemie. Can I get a copy of that book? I'd love to give it to them. Or where can I buy a copy of this book for my sister-in-law whose baby's in the NICU? And so I started to think maybe this is something it has been so beneficial for my own family. Maybe it's something that I can share with others as well. And that's when I started Me Too Books as an umbrella organization that houses the books that we've written, other products that are focused on NICU and twin families, and really the purpose of encouraging, supporting, giving information. So also on our website, metoobooks.com and two like the number two, we have lots of articles and resources and things like that can help provide information if you're currently in the NICU or you're transitioning from the NICU into home. And then as we've grown, I've written a few more books. So in addition to I Was a Preemie Just Like You, we have the kind of second edition of that book, which is called I Needed the NICU Just Like You. So my NICU experience certainly was around preemies. But as I've learned more about the NICU community, you learn not all babies in the NICU are preemies. So I Needed the NICU Just Like You is actually a second version of the same story, one for any baby in the NICU and then one that's specifically for preemies. And then I wrote one of two, which is the story of individuality for twins. And then The Career Explorer, which is a children's book that introduces the tenets of career exploration to kids. That is amazing. I love how it differentiates you've got one for specifically 
tiny tots within a NICU journey. You've got those who aren't tiny tots and you've got others as well that supports careers, upcoming children, isn't it? And uh, you're doing amazing. And I love how you took the initiative to do the research first. You thought, this, hold on, there's nothing that I see here that's specifically related to what I want to do. And you took the initiative to just launch these series of books. And I'm sure it's impacting the Nikki community. Can you tell us what setbacks you had leading up to writing those books and series of books and what has been some moments that you've gained opportunities to inspire the Nikki journey through your books, ventures? In terms of setbacks, there never seems to be enough time to do all the things that you want to do. So really, time management is of the utmost in terms of managing all that you have to do and growing an organization. And any creative project that you have, like writing a children's book, it takes a lot of time. And sometimes that's difficult to come by. That's a commodity that's difficult to come by. In terms of impact, though, of the organization, that first book was written for my kids. And the process of writing that book was very cathartic for me, working through the trauma of the NICU. So if that had been all that came out of that book, that would have been amazing. But since then, we've been able to literally help thousands of families bond with their babies by reading in the NICU. And I remember when my kids were in the NICU, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was reading to them. That was one of the times when I felt like a normal parent, like all parents sit and read to their kids in the NICU. It's hard to find those moments of normalcy. And that was one of the things that really did give me a sense of I'm doing something that all parents do. So the fact now that I can be a part of providing that to other parents who are currently in the NICU or who are reading to their newly discharged babies at home, that is such an amazing thing to me. It's been such a blessing. I bet it has. First of all, congratulations on inspiring a thousand parents when they NICU to read to their little ones. That is an amazing achievement. It really is. Thank you. What are some of your future goals for Me Too Books then? Because you already had a thousand. Do you see 10,000 bigger numbers to come? Of course. In the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed partnering with nonprofit organizations and hospitals to get bulk quantities of books to NICU parents as they need them, right when they're bedside in the NICU. So I've worked with different hospitals and organizations setting up NICU lending libraries or providing books via NICU gift packages or other support structures, because those were things that I didn't have in the NICU. So I'm really enjoying that part of the organization and working with other organizations and hospitals. So I really hope to grow that part of the business in the future. And then there's always another book, I think. I often think before I sit down to write something, I think, what is it that I want to read? And so books for me are always a starting point of difficult discussions or things that I think are important for my kids to know. And I think there'll be a few more books in the future for sure. There definitely will be. There's no limits to Me Too books. 
I know. <laughs> You're doing ever so well. Keep going. Thank you. So how do you balance being an author and a mom to amazing twins and partner and wearing different hats? How do you do it? Was a career counselor, always a career counselor. So I have spent a lot of time of my career talking to clients about work-life balance. It's a very common thing that people struggle with. And from all of those discussions, I've come to the conclusion that it's an unrealistic expectation. It's unattainable to have balance in work and in life. And so as a way to not set myself up to fail, to not put on any more guilt than we already have, I don't strive for work-life balance. I try to ask myself on a monthly basis, weekly basis, sometimes a daily basis, where am I needed most today? And that is where I put my focus. So sometimes that's on my business, that's on Me Too Books, and I can spend extra time there doing what's needed. Sometimes that's with my family, and so then that's my priority. And I have found that if I align my work with my priorities, I'm living within my purpose. I feel more accomplished. And at the end of the day, I feel more fulfilled, even if it means less things checked off my to-do list. And I love to check something off a to-do list. But sometimes that's not always the case. And I can still feel fulfilled as long as I'm living within the priorities of what's most important for that day. I love that. Where am I needed today? I'm stealing that from you. (laughs) Go for it. <laughs> that is an amazing phrase that, you know, because if you put too much into one thing and you leave the other thing hanging, it won't grow or thrive, right? It will die because the right the balance is not there. And I think that's very important. You touched on putting more effort into one thing this day of the week and then the next day of the week it could be something else. That way you can have two things thriving at once, right? Absolutely. Definitely. So guys, where are you needed now? Take that phrase and use it to your advantage. It will definitely help you have the right balance. That's right. Go forth and organize your priorities. And don't stress. What advice then would you give to parents going through a tough NICU experience right now, thinking or hope is lost, or hope is gone, or even parents who come out the NICU experience who want to launch ventures like yourselves, who maybe feels I haven't got the time for this, I've got a lot of other stuff on my plate, I can't do it, or who may have doubts thinking I don't have the ability to do it. What would you say to them right now? I'm probably not the person to give advice, as I, w- I always describe myself as an accidental author, like I fell into this um, through something else. But I have found that the NICU community is one of the most dedicated to giving back to current parents who are in the situation. I've met so many veteran NICU parents who are now founders of nonprofit organizations or who are parent mentors or who organize yearly book drives or NICU gift baskets. And those are things that are all important that are all needed. So I would say find the thing that lights you up, find the thing that sparks you, that's your gift, and think about how you can use that to benefit and to give back to others. 
And it may be writing. It may be more of a creative venture. And I think that's great. I think you ought to be open to whatever that journey is and whatever that may be. And not maybe necessarily having a concrete idea of what the end result will look like, but just be open to the experience. And I certainly feel that writing and journaling is of benefit to everyone who's been through a traumatic NICU experience. It certainly helps process that trauma. But I think most importantly, it's just finding your gift, finding the thing that sparks you and using that to give back to others. Another phrase there, finding your gift, finding your thing that sparks you and using that to give back to others. Some amazing quotes coming out of you, Ali. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been such an amazing interview. I am honestly inspired. I want to thank you for coming on today to my podcast show you've been an absolute treasure to our audience and tell our audience where they can find you and how they can stay up to date with the work you're doing from me Too books the best place to start is the website which is me books.com so two like the number two and from there you can link to all of our social media sites you can purchase books and products through there. Also, our books are available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of that. But the easiest way to connect with me is through the website, meetyoubooks.com. I love that. So guys, please do stay up to date with Ali and Me Too Books. I can assure you she's got more to come in the future. And I'm just excited with how far she's going with this venture and how much of an inspiration she is from failed IVFs to now thriving as an author and helping the Nikki community through her story. All hope is not lost and you've heard it today through Ali's story. So thanks again, Ali, for coming on. I hope you are inspired by today's podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode and it was a pleasure to have you listening in and, and tuning in. So I appreciate it and love you guys. <laughs> <laughs>